God's love never fails. And as we sing this morning and we lift his name on high, we realize how awesome and mighty and glorious he is. Your hands, all you nations, shout to God. 
pray this morning. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you so much for the opportunity to just raise our voices before you and to give you praise and thanksgiving. Lord, you are stronger, mightier, powerful than anyone else that we know, Lord God. We thank you for your love and for the understanding of, of how you care for us. And Lord, we just ask that you'll continually bless us, Lord, as we give back our praises to you this morning because you are worthy of all of our praise and you are worthy of the one that we call Lord and Savior. And we praise you. Amen. You can be seated, please, as we continue.
God deserves all of our praise and glory this morning. Amen. This song talks about the greatness of our God. That's what we want to focus on this morning, how great and mighty he is.
Well, that's the women's retreat. Far cry from what us men get to do. It's a little bit more mellow, I think, than what, what the men do, right? But the women's retreat is coming up. That is in April, and I'm sure you can sign up today in a foyer afterwards. I'd like to encourage you, all the women of the church, to go away for that weekend in April as you fellowship around uh, God's Word and fellowship with each other. It will be an exciting time for you all as you get away. But uh, sign-ups and information will be available in the foyer after the service. We've had a great week here at the church. Yesterday, we had the uh, Awana Grand Prix in the gym, and uh, I understand it was a great success. A lot of people were excited over there as their kids were racing the cars. We had a lot of people uh, in from our community, and they, they had a great time over there. We're getting ready for Easter. Easter is upon us here, and it's hard to believe as you're thinking about, wow, Easter's early this year. Um, starting with this Saturday, we have our Easter egg extravaganza. I'd like to encourage you to invite all the children that you know. Anybody that, you know, anybody that has children up to about fifth grade, we'd like to invite them up here. They have all kind of activities. There'll be Easter eggs hidden all over this place. We give them the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We give them some love. We give them some candy. And uh, Jenny is looking still for about 10 more cakes for her cakewalk, all right? So she's got 60, needs 10 more cakes to have 70 cakes. They play some sort of game. It's like musical chairs, and, they, and these kids walk out with a cake. So that's kind of exciting. But uh, we'd like to encourage you, if you can help her, please sign up afterwards. If you know anybody, just have them show up here on Saturday, any children, and uh, bring them up. Uh, next Sunday will be Palm Sunday. We're uh, rolling right into Easter. Then on Good Friday, I'd like to direct your attention inside your carrier. There's a, a little advertisement there. It says, Good Friday, a night of worship. Our choir will be leading a great night of worship here at the church, and uh, it will be a phenomenal night. We want, we want to encourage you to be here as we come together to remember the cross, receive communion, and worship Jesus with everything that we have. So it's going to be a wonderful evening. There are no tickets necessary. It's, uh, it's a free event. We want to encourage you to bring a friend along and uh, round up our church, and let's just have a great night of worship as we remember the cross receive communion and worship him with all that we are and then we'll be rolling right into uh, Easter which is obviously right after Good Friday we have the Saturday night service and then our two services on Sunday for Easter Sunday so we want you to uh, join us in uniting in prayer as to who you might bring this Easter service uh, through one of our Easter services here whether it's Good Friday or Easter Sunday Palm Sunday these are great times people enjoy and invite and, you know if you just invite somebody to go do something it's amazing. Our culture really just loves somebody. You know, if you ask me to go out to coffee, I would go out to coffee with you, all right? So, uh, but if, and I think if you just ask your neighbor to come to church, it's amazing what will happen. They will come to church. And uh, we've seen this over and over time again. So we want to encourage you this, this, this Easter season. Okay, thank you, Ken. Brother Dane Demchek and his wife, Lindsay, work with our teenagers in the church. You've got to be young to do that. You know that? They had a big event uh, just uh, a few days ago, and Dane wanted to come and just share what happened there, and thank you. Yes, I want to, um, as you guys probably saw Sunday, a bunch of us, me and my wife included, and the leaders and a bunch of kids probably walking around like zombies because of, with the hour lost sleep, also we had that all-night event, as Pastor said, uh, March Madness, and I want to thank everybody who helped out. Um, all the leaders, all the volunteers, everybody who helped out in uh, the sign-in registration, all through the night, all the kids who invited their friends out. We had um, over 205 around there kids come out 
in a, a bunch of different churches all throughout the community. And we had 22, I believe, people got saved. Ten from Straight Street, six from Jams, and then many from the other churches. So uh, we want to thank you guys so much for all the prayers and all the support for that. It was, it was a definitely a huge success that uh, I'm still trying to recover from. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> thank you. Well, I'll tell you, if he's still trying to recover, some of the others are still they're, they're out of it for sure, aren't they? Please reach in the book rack right there in front of you and find one of our little black friendship folders. And if you'll be so kind in the next minute or so to put your name on that and give it to a person somewhere near you, we'll appreciate that. Our hearts are saddened today uh, with the passing of one of our dear members of the church, Harry Anton, Jr. Harry was a very young, 48 years old, and uh, had a real battle with the lung cancer for about eight months. Uh, he battled courageously. He's in the presence of God today, and uh, visitation time begins at 2 o'clock today, 2 to 8, over at Slater's Funeral Home in Large, Pennsylvania, right on 51 there, Slater's, from 2 to 8. The service the memorial service will be tomorrow up here in the church at 11 o'clock. And so please, please think of that. Also, there's a little flyer in your Sunday Courier about our upcoming membership meeting. If you've never gone to one of our membership classes, please come to this one. Uh, tear out off the bottom portion of that little flyer. Put it in. We'll reserve a place for you at the membership luncheon. And I think you'll enjoy it. It's um, after Easter but we're gathering the reservations right now. Let's stand together as our ushers come this morning and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love today. We pray now that you will uh, bless us as we give for your work, Lord. May the, uh, may the funds that you provide us um, be used for your honor and glory. May you uh, receive uh, a blessing, Lord, from this time of giving here in the church. Bless each gift and each giver, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take Hey. Yeah. 
Let's open our Bibles today, please, to the book of Matthew this morning. Book of Matthew, chapter 27. Matthew, chapter 27. I'd like to talk to you this morning about the spectators at the cross. We're going to begin reading in verse number 26. Then he released Barabbas to them. When he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Pilate uh, wanted to deliver Jesus, not Barabbas. But uh, Barabbas was the choice of the people. The people were bent on crucifying Jesus. And so Pilate went along with a crowd uh, in verse number 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. This, I understand, is a very large crowd. Could have been as many as 600. And uh, they were making Jesus a laughing stock at this particular time. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they mocked him, they took the robe off of him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene. Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, this is to say the place of the skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put up over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. The two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest also mocking and the scribes and the elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. This morning I'd like to take you on a little tour and look at some of the people that saw Jesus dying there and some of the reactions that they had while he was dying. Well, I think that what, whatever they were looking at, they didn't understand that it was God's final solution for the problem of mankind that God was providing on the cross. I guess if you would ask the common person walking down the street, 
what was that whole thing about? What was that crucifixion about? They would probably say, well, some series of events spiraled out of control and they grabbed Jesus and hung him on a cross and it was so they wouldn't understand really the deep meaning of it and the people that watched him there this time didn't understand it either. God was providing redemption for the sins of the whole world when his son Jesus died upon the cross. Now these people who watched Jesus die on the cross, these were the same people that bought many lambs over there in Bethlehem on the fields surrounding Bethlehem. The sacrificial lambs were raised. They had purchased many of those lambs through the years and they had brought those lambs up to the Temple Mount and they had seen a vast ocean of blood. If you read the Old Testament, you will see an ocean of blood. A lamb after lamb, sacrificial animal after sacrificial animal. But God is saying right here in the cross that there is to be no more lambs, no more blood. This would be the last blood and the last lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The scripture says here, and we read it sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Uh, that was the detachment of soldiers. They were just sitting there watching the whole scene as it unfolded before them. There were a lot of onlookers too. Mark chapter 15, verse 35 says, some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he is calling for Elijah. Luke 23, 53 says, and the people stood looking on when even the rulers with them sneered, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. And then in John's gospel, John 19, verse 25, it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. Mary was a very popular name at that time. It still is today. Jesus hung on the cross for only six hours, and people were really surprised that he died so quickly. Now, most of the time, people who were crucified lasted a day or two, not Jesus. The weight of all the world was laid upon Christ. He was crushed under the burden of your sin and my sin. The death of Jesus was not an ordinary death on the cross. It was extraordinary. First of all, let's consider the soldiers this morning. The Bible says here in verse number 27, they came to the Praetorium. Praetorium. Uh, this was the governor's residence, Pilate's residence in Jerusalem. I understand that a garrison is about 600. I don't know if they were all there or not, but this was a pretty good show, and they were having a show with Jesus. They gathered all these people together. It only actually took four soldiers as a detachment, as a detachment for a crucifixion. But they needed some entertainment, and so they made Jesus this day some entertainment. They stripped him. They dressed him in a scarlet robe. Uh, and uh, he stood there. We have, that, uh, we have that picture, I'm sure. Uh, he was standing there in this robe. He had a twisted crown of thorns upon his head. He had a scepter, uh, a reed. Uh, what a flimsy scepter that was, just to mock him. And they mocked him. Uh, I understand that a cross weighed about 300 pounds. But they would make the person that's going to bear the cross carry the cross beam, which is about 75 pounds. And so Jesus couldn't last very long, especially because he had been scourged and he was so weak he couldn't last very long. And so they took him the longest route. They always took the criminals the longest route 
to the place of crucifixion because it was good advertisement for them. And the advertisement was this. If you get out of line, this is what happens to you. We rule this land, and we want you to keep it in mind that you could just as well be this person bearing the cross. And so as Jesus needed help bearing the cross, they conscripted uh, Simon of Cyrene. That's modern-day Libya uh, to help him. He was only a visitor come for Passover. But he uh, got under the cross and carried it for Christ. Whenever Jesus got to the cross, they tried to give him a drug to numb him. And when they offered it to him, he turned it down because he wanted to be in complete control of his senses when he died on the cross for the sins of the world. If you or I are dying on that cross, we would want all that drug we could get. We would say, give us some more. Because we knew the terrible torture that was involved in the crucifixion. We get the English word excruciating from the Roman word out of the cross. And so whenever they thought of the cross, and it was an excruciating thought. Uh, but when Jesus died upon the cross, you know he made a number of statements. And this one you're well aware of. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And you know, when Jesus prays, uh, the Father responds. And uh, through the whole scenario of Jesus dying upon the cross, uh, after the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, the sun refused to shine, the earthquake took place. Remember there was this centurion, centurion who said, truly, this is the Son of God. So Jesus answered, God answered, God the Father answered Jesus' prayer just like that. Father, forgive them. And right there, at the foot of the cross, there was this soldier that came to faith. The soldiers, and then there was the crowd. Look with me to verse number 39. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads. There were a lot of Passover pilgrims there. This was the busiest time of the year in Jerusalem. Uh, this was one of the three compulsory festivals that the Jews had to come to each year. And they looked forward to this because I'm sure their life was kind of boring. But whenever they came here, the boredom was over. They came for Passover, they came for Pentecost, and they came for the Feast of Tabernacles. This was the first one. And uh, it was the desire of Jewish people living outside around the world, and they were all over the place, to at least one time in their life go to Jerusalem, uh, to, the, to one of the festivals. And whenever Passover time came, and they were having Yom Kippur and the Passover Seder, they would pray this prayer, or they would make this statement at the end of the Seder, next year in Jerusalem. That was their wish. That was their desire. They wanted to go to Jerusalem. Even in Jerusalem itself, in later years, they would, whenever they had the Passover Seder, they would make a statement similar to that next year in Jerusalem, the rebuilt, referring to the temple that was destroyed over two centuries ago. Well, you know, there's something exciting about a crowd if it doesn't get out of hand. And the soldiers were there to make sure it didn't get out of hand. From around the world they came to the Passover. And uh, there were many, many visitors. The Bible says in the book of Acts that they were from every nation under heaven. Just think of that. Uh, they gravitated. That place, that little spot on the map is a magnet over there, Jerusalem. 
I've been there a number of times, and so some of you have been there. And when you get over to Jerusalem, I think one of the first things that comes to your mind is you say, you know, I like it over here. I like it here. It's nice over here. I feel close to God over here. It's because you walk the streets where Jesus walked. It's because you see, see the place where Jesus died. It's because you go to the place that Jesus was born. And I'll tell you, it makes your Bible come alive. It's like, whoa, uh, it's big. And so from all over the world, they came on this day that we're talking about, the crucifixion day. And uh, the Bible says in the book of Acts, after this was all said and done, that uh, many people came to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, that was the crowd. Uh, and then there was the Sanhedrin. I'm sure you've heard of them. I guess the only thing that we would have comparable to them in our country is the Supreme Court. Supreme Court's very, very powerful. Their Sanhedrin was very, very powerful. Uh, but these people stalked Jesus. They stoked the fire against Jesus every chance they got. Uh, this was a much bigger court than we have here in our country. There were 70 men in this one. Half of them were Pharisees, half were Sadducees. They were always fighting with each other. And it was believed that uh, they had this, the number 70, because remember back in the Old Testament, Moses chose 70 people to be his assistants to help him. And so they just kept that number. In John chapter 11, verse 47, the Bible says, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, what shall we do? For this man works many miracles. Uh, they hated Jesus. They really did. The religious establishment was against Christ. But the interesting thing about it is that in every group of people, there are believers. And in the Sanhedrin, there was this man whose name was Nicodemus. Remember him from John chapter 3? He was a part of the Supreme Court. He was a part of the Sanhedrin. He came to Jesus in John chapter 3 by night and he said this, We know that you are a teacher come from God because no man can do these miracles except he come from God. Uh, Nicodemus uh, opened his heart to Christ. Jesus said to him, you must be born again. And Nicodemus didn't understand that. He said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, no, that's not what I'm talking. You're thinking about physical birth. I'm talking about spiritual birth. You must be born again. And that simply means be born from above. You must have a new change in your life from God. That's what being born again means. That means a spiritual dimension, uh, breathed into your life by God himself. And so Nicodemus had a seeking heart, remember? And someone told me a long time ago that never does a seeking sinner and a seeking savior ever fail to meet. They meet. If you're here today and you're seeking God, I'll tell you what, he's seeking you. And you'll find him. Because Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. Well, uh, he had another friend in the Supreme Court, too, that was a believer. His name was Joseph of Arimathea. The Bible says he was a rich man. And by the way, Nicodemus was said to be the third richest man in Jerusalem. And so we have two rich men on the Supreme Court. And... Uh, they were believers in Jesus, and they helped each other at the end. They came out of the shadows uh, to bury Jesus in the rich man's tomb because Isaiah 53, 9 says Jesus was to be put in a rich man's grave. 
And so I think for a long time they flew under the radar because it was dangerous to think that anybody would follow Jesus. And all over our world today there are Christians and I think they're just like that. They're flying under the radar because it's dangerous to serve Christ in some places. I just read on the internet that in Pakistan they're burning down the houses of Christians in Pakistan now and in Egypt. The government of Egypt says, if you're a Christian, leave our country. And so uh, it was dangerous for Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea to be a follower of Jesus at this time. But, but when he was uh, resurrected, or at the end of his life, they came out of the shadows. They said, listen, we're going to take a stand. Let's get his body and give him a proper burial. And then there was the apostles Remember them? Jesus took great care to choose 12 of them. Where are they at the cross? Well, you know what? I only find one of them at the cross. That's all, just one. Jesus said that when the sheep, when the shepherd would die, the sheep would be scattered, and that's what happened. The sheep were everywhere. They were gone. They were afraid, scared to death. Their dreams had been smashed. Someone said that Jesus told them at least 12 times that he would die, but they didn't hear him. You ever heard the term selective hearing? All the men in our church have heard that many times, I'm sure. You hear what you want to hear. Well, the, the apostles were just like that. Jesus kept saying, now listen, I'm going to die. They, were, they, just blocked their, they just blocked it out. And now their, their life was shattered. But after the resurrection, you know what happened? Jesus started to appear to these shattered followers, his apostles, and reinforce their faith. And they all came back strong, even Peter. Well, they would be back. They really would. Uh, so much so that all of them except one would die a martyr. John, the apostle, was the only one that we think, didn't die a martyr. And so the apostles came back. Their faith uh, faltered a little bit. It didn't fail. It just faltered. It was like your faith and like mine. Sometimes we're really strong in God and then sometimes we, we get a little weak. But how about the women? You know, uh, when you read the New Testament, you find that women, a lot of women were really followers of Jesus. And, uh, and so here we find... In John chapter 19, Jesus' mother was there. Mary and her sympathizers, they're standing at the cross. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciples took her to his own house. You know what Jesus was doing? He was tying up family business on the cross. He was taking care of his mother. Uh, I want to encourage you, take care of your mother. Take care of your mother. Boy, you know, when you think about what your mother did for you, it's, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Mother's love is so big, so tremendous, so encompassing, so powerful. Uh, but you know, when she gets old, somebody has to take care of her. Take care of your mom. That's what Jesus was doing on the cross. What a good example he was. Uh, he looked down there and there was his mother. 
Uh, and there was the Apostle John, and he said, uh, Mother, there's John, and John, this is your mother now. And uh, John took the mother of Jesus to his home before the end came. He wanted to make sure his mother was taken care of. I want to encourage you to make sure your mother is taken care of, just like Jesus. Well, uh, Mary knew that this day was going to happen because remember, in the beginning, when Jesus was born, she, she ran into a man named Simeon. And uh, his wish was to see the Messiah before he died, and God gave him his wish. And then he gave this little prophecy, and this is what he said. Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel for a sign which shall be spoken against. There's going to be some people against him. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. And I think it's at the cross. When Mary stood there looking up at her son, that that's prophecy came true. A sword pierced through her heart as she saw her son die upon the cross. But you know, Mary was committed to the mission of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 1, you find her in the, in the prayer meeting of the church, the little church that was, Jesus was starting. Upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Mary believed in that. And so she was meeting with the disciples. Uh, these people had, uh, Jesus had impacted their life. He really did. Well, Mary was present, and she was helping this little church get started. But then there were the thieves. Remember them? Turn over to Luke chapter 23 with me, please, in your Bible. Luke chapter 23, verse number 39. Let's look at something here together. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Messiah, save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that, that's an immortal statement right there. Remember me. You know, Jesus always hears the prayer of a humble heart. And you can't get any more humble than this. This man is leaving this world and he knows it. And so he reaches out and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now those were, that was music to his ears, wasn't it? It sure was. Remember when you come into your kingdom. One of the criminals just mocked Jesus. The other one had a different attitude. This other one that we just read about right here, first of all, he respected God. He said, do you not fear God? You know, when you read the Old Testament, you keep finding these statements, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, there in our world today, there, there is very little fear of God. But uh, the fear of God is the beginning. It's, it's going in the right direction because Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is just the beginning of wisdom. You want some wisdom, start to fear the Lord. Proverbs 1, 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You know, it's a good thing to fear the Lord 
Jesus said, don't fear any person that can kill your body, but do fear the person who can kill your body and your soul in hell. That's the fear of the Lord right there. He respected God. That's a, that's a good starting place. That's a good foundation. There are many people that are on that foundation today. And then the Bible says here he knew his own sin. That's important. He said, we're under the same condemnation. We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. He said, we are sinners. We're dying. We're paying the price of our sin. And so that's needed too when a person comes to Christ. We must, we must know and realize that we're sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. That means every single person that you know, every single person I know is a sinner and we are condemned because of our sin, because we've broken the law of God. He said, listen, I know for sure I'm a sinner. We deserve to die for our sins. But he also knew Jesus. Now, this is interesting. He also knew Jesus. He said, this man has done nothing wrong. And boy, it's interesting to read through the New Testament to see the testimony of Jesus. He said on one occasion, um, if you find anything in wrong with, with me, just tell me. Without him, he is without sin. He knew no sin, the Bible says. Nobody could point their finger at Christ and said anything legitimately that he did wrong because he was sinless. He knew Jesus. He said, this man has done nothing wrong. Now, he was accused of a few things, but he was never proven guilty of those things. And then he called out to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me. You know, when we call out to Jesus, something powerful happens. You know that? You want to find God, call out. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You call out, he'll save you. Many years ago, I was out visiting in the area looking for a home one evening, one night, out in Venetia. And uh, I was lost looking for this home. And so I finally got disgusted driving around. It takes a lot to disgust a man driving around. You know that? Because that's all they do is drive around. They won't stop and get directions. You know that. I finally got disgusted with myself. And I said, listen, I, it's, I'm getting desperate. I've got to stop and ask somebody something. So I went up to this door. I parked the car at night. That's when you could, like, actually knock on a door at night without getting your head blown off. Wouldn't do that now. So I knocked on this door, and uh, somebody says, Who is it? And I said, I'm the pastor of the church over here in the library. And they said, Come on in. You know who it was? It was Garnet Beach. Garnet Beach. That was in a day you could almost trust your neighbors, you know? I mean, come on in. I had met her one time before, and she, she kind of knew who I was. So I went in that night, and I said, I'm looking for this address. Well, she said, this is not the address. <laughs> but you evidently came to the right place. Because just yesterday, I called out to God. And I said, oh, God, 
Help me. Help me. The next day, God showed up. Not me, but God. I said, we have a little church over here, and we have a bus that we're bringing kids to Sunday school. I said, would you like to send your kids to Sunday school? She said, I would. I said, how many do you have? She said, nine. I thought, holy cow, we'll have to have a train. Get those kids here to Sunday school. But she came to church and she came to Christ because she called upon the name of the Lord. And one by one, her kids started coming to the Lord. Uh, She called on the name of the Lord. I'll tell you what, when you call on the name of the Lord, he comes. He comes in different ways. He comes. And so that's what the thief on the cross did. He called out. Lord, remember me. He called Jesus his Lord. You know what that means, master? Uh, When you get tired of driving your life, uh, then you turn it over to the Lord sometimes. And and the Lord's a good driver. He'll 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 never lead you in the wrong direction. If you follow your buddies, he'll lead you in the wrong direction, not God. He called out to Jesus, and he believed that Jesus was who he said he was. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He visualized Jesus as a victor over death and realized that this death that they were going to experience was not the end. When you come into your kingdom, I want you to remember me. Maybe he heard Jesus say, he who hears my words and believes on him who sent me has everlasting life. Maybe he heard the Lord talk about everlasting life and he started to believe him that life was everlasting. And Jesus said this, today you'll be with me in paradise. People tell me all the time, where did Jesus, people ask me all the time, where did Jesus go when he died? Well, he said it. Today you'll be with me in paradise. That's where he went. He went to paradise. And the, and the thief uh, went there too. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. The moment the thief died, he went to paradise. The moment Christ yielded up his spirit, he went to paradise. I'll tell you, they had a victorious time in paradise. And so we have all these people watching the crucifixion. Uh, Hebrews 10, 12 says this, but this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. This was the last sacrifice, and God would accept it for the sins of the world. Now, Good Friday is coming up, and good things still happen on Good Friday. Do you know that? Good things still happen on Good Friday. In the year 2001, one of our members invited a friend to a musical program here at the church on Good Friday. Uh, They sat in the back. At the end of the service, uh, this person's heart was touched. Because, you know, we've heard the story of the death, burial, and resurrection forever, and it never had much impact on us but it was gonna have an impact on her. She got in her car and started to drive home, drove down the driveway of the church, down at 88, made a right. By the time she got to the little gas station, there was a lot of tears in her eyes. She pulled over and gave her heart to Christ. She gave her heart to Christ. She needed God. She needed God. And you know what she said? 
She said, when I came to church, I had heard that message before, but I never realized it was for me. It was for me. Christ died. And you know, that makes all the difference in the world if we realize it's for me. Because, you know, you can say, well, Christ died for the guy in Africa and Christ died for the guy in Australia. Christ died for you. And she said, when I realized that he did that for me, it broke my heart. And her broken life, God put together. And she's serving God now to this day. Well, a lot of times people would think, well, you know, when Jesus died on the cross... Maybe he was just a victim of circumstances. No. The Bible says in John 10, 18, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of myself. Jesus came to die on the cross for you. And I hope you can never get away from that. Because that's what will make a difference in your life. When you realize that he loves you. And he paid the price that you owed to God. You see... If somebody has to pay for your sin, either it's you or Christ. And so the payment for your sin is separation from God and hell forever. Hell is a real place. Uh, but Jesus said, I love you so much, I don't want you to have to pay for your sin. I'll step up and pay your debt. That's a lot of love. You know that? That's a lot of love. Now, there were two thieves, one on either side. One believed, one didn't. On which side of the cross are you today? Which side of the cross? Have you embraced Christ? Have you called out on him? Are you still kind of skeptical? Let me remind you this, that this is the only deathbed repentance in the Bible. Only deathbed repentance. I think a lot of times people say, you know, when I get a little older, I think I'll get right with God. Listen, you may not get a little older. You may not get a little older. The only day you have to get right with God is today. That's all. There, you have no promise of tomorrow, do you? And so if you feel God opening your heart right now, I want to ask you today in this service to open your heart to Christ. Be like that thief on the cross. Lord, I believe in you. I thank you for dying upon the cross for me. I open my heart to you today. Jesus, come in. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And hear those words today. You'll be with me in paradise. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, I wonder how many in our church have already made that commitment to Christ. You can look back in your life and you can remember a time, a place, a date maybe, that, uh, that you embraced Jesus as your Savior, that you called out on the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, help me. I need you. And uh, then the Lord did come to you, maybe by a friend or maybe a church, maybe a, a loved one, maybe your wife or your husband. The Lord did come to you. And now you sit here in this church and you're changed because of the power of Christ. Well, that's a good thing, and I'm happy for you. But, you know, there may be a few people in our church that have never made that decision for Christ today. And God is knocking on your heart's door right now saying, listen, I, I died for you too. I don't want to leave you out because you're important to me. And so I want to invite you now to invite Christ into your heart. Right there in this chair in which you sit. Just, just pray to the Lord and say, Lord, remember me. 
I'm a sinner. I've broken your law. I'm a broken person, Lord. I believe you're the Savior. You're alive. I've seen you save other people. Save me now. Come into my heart. Dear Lord, we thank you for the story of the cross. It never grows old. It's always fresh in every generation. And you're always calling people to yourself. We pray now that you will just do that in our service this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our invitation song. And if there's a need in your life, you'd like to just come and pray here at the altar this morning. The life of a friend, you just feel free to do that. shake hands with everybody you can in the church. Greet them. God bless you. You're dismissed today.